The Athletic. Totally Football Show, Europe. Today, killer weekend in Germany, call it Ted Bundesliga. Italy, what Cellino did next and why Lecce is La Lecce. Liga, Liverpool facing Real. Barcelona secretly paying 7 million euros for a referee chief. Sounds legit. And France, PSG win football match. Full details to come. It's all coming up in this Totally Football Show. Listener, Tuesday 21st of February, how are you doing? Mm. Us too. We've got Alvaro Romeo in. Hi, Alvaro. Hola, hola. Also in the studio, Julian Laurent. Bonjour. Lovely stuff. Raphael Honigstein, back from his trip. Nice. Hi. And, uh, oh, look, on the big screen on a plush sofa in Florence, it's James von Castle. Oh, look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice homage there. Um, what are you doing in Florence, Jay? Uh, well, as Julian said when I was in Milan last week, I'm going to various restaurants. Yeah. Mm. Went to the place where they invented the Negroni the other night. Mm. Uh, <laughs> What's in your all job? seriousness, What's I'm your seeing. Job again? Well, Jules, I want to come on your cooking show <laughs> on Netflix. That's what yeah, I want to do. I'll send you an invite. Wow. So, that's a nice Our listeners, if they don't follow Jules's social channels mm. or they just don't follow Jules, and that's mm. impossible these days because yeah. Jules is everywhere. Thank you. Um, Jules seems to have been filming in a very nice kitchen. Um, so I'm really intrigued to see if he's baking baguettes, if he's showing you know, how he like, sort of makes croissants for his kids in the morning or something mm. like that. I don't know what his next, the next chapter in, in, in Jules's life is. because It'll be out soon, so you, will, you will know soon. Football cannot contain Jules. He's too big for it now. (laughs) Indeed. Anybody else want some banter before we get on to the real stuff? Rafa, you missed missed quite a week, actually. The goal show, which was spectacular. It was a really good show, uh, goals. And and also Paris Saint-Germain Bayern. I did watch it. Did you? I did. Yeah. And uh, I enjoyed it. I imagine you did. imagine you did. Excellent. Alvaro, why don't you kick us off with a moment of the weekend? Moment of the weekend. I'm going to talk about a guy that plays in the second division of Spanish football. He scored the brace on Monday, and uh, he's the best Spanish uh, professional scorer in Spanish football history. His name is Ruben Castro, and he scored uh, 93 goals in Primera División, 192 in Segunda, and uh, he's just third in the Spanish football pyramid of goal scorers. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo being the second, Lionel Messi being the first, and Ruben Castro, we have to say, combining first division and second division, he's the number three. So, maybe he hasn't scored all these goals in Primera División, mm. but no Spanish striker has ever scored more goals in Spanish professional football. There you go. All right, not heard of him before. Ruben Castro. Uh, yeah. yeah. How old is he? He played in clubs in La Liga. You would yeah. have seen him. Yeah, uh, he, he scored his first goal, just for you to know, Jimbo, yeah. against Iker Casillas in 2001. Ooh. And... Um, you weren't expecting this, and no. surprise is something that is always, I think, very welcome. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Jules, how about you? Uh, Luis Campos is my moment of the mm. weekend because he wanted to be the star at the uh, PSG Lille game, so he thought, I'm going to come down from the director's box onto the pitch to um, 
to start putting pressure on the referee, to shout a lot, to be very agitated, animated. And I don't know if that helped or not. Mm. PSG won in the end, but it didn't. That was not a good look. Right. Because, I, I mean, I wasn't sure whether it was putting pressure on the referee or putting pressure on the manager who was actually sat there meant to be doing those things or it was a symptom of the pressure that Ocampos himself is feeling as a man who appointed Gautier yeah I think maybe all three of them right right. it was was very unusual you see in Germany or you mean in different countries but I was thinking about Bayern and Salih Amidji you you see sporting officers sat on the bench Mm. but I've never seen someone like a sporting director in any of the big five leagues behaving like Campos did on on Sunday lunchtime. All right, more thoughts on PSG to come. James, what's the perspective from Florence? <laughs> Actually, that could be my moment of the weekend. Mm. Uh, the chief executive of Fiorentina, Joe Barone, coming out after a disappointing 1-1 draw to Empoli in the Tuscan derby, uh, being confronted by a fan going over and just saying, Ma chi sei? <laughs> to him. Who, Who are, are you? you? Who are you? <laughs> which uh, has not gone down very well in Florence, which at the best of times is a demanding city and at the worst of times is, uh, yeah, it's pretty, can be pretty hostile. Mm. All right. And Raphael Honigstein. Well, I was just going to say about Alvaro, nobody expects the Spanish second division, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, my moment of the week was the moment that dominated the whole weekend in German football, which was in the 10th minute of the Bayern game against... Borussia Mönchengladbach, Dario Upamecano, crossing paths with Alessandro Player. Player goes down, red card, Bayern lose, and Julian Nagelsmann loses it after the final whistle. And I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but that was easily the most pivotal moment, not just for the weekend, but maybe even in the title race. Wow. And why do you explain why next? This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. That's right, everybody. Bayern with just 10 men beaten this weekend by Borussia Mönchengladbach. Union Berlin drew Dortmund won, which means we've now got three teams tied atop the table in Germany. It is the Bundesliga's tightest ever title race according to Bundesliga.com, Rafa. And they would know. Mm. Wouldn't they? <laughs> uh, it's, it's great. I mean, Bayern's weakness has opened the doors. And in the past few years, no one's been able to actually take advantage. But we have more consistency now. We have Union going really strong. You have Dortmund. Even Freiburg and Frankfurt are not out of the mix. And Leipzig, four points off, I think shouldn't be discounted either. So is a genuine, at this moment, genuine title race. And everyone's really enjoying it, with, of course, the exception of our friends from Bavaria. Right. Who have a history of problems with Borussia Mönchengladbach, who enjoyed the uh, 3-2 win this weekend. Yeah, a bogey team for them, especially in recent years. Even when Lucien Favre was there, they really struggled. But uh, now it's five games they couldn't win against them. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann's record is, is very poor. And... It was the manner of the defeat which raised questions, but more so even the reaction, I think, because Julian Nagelsmann tried to do one thing, but ended up doing another thing, which is to, instead of deflecting attention, as you often do when you attack referees and say, oh, this is a disgrace, he actually attracted more attention on himself because of the language he used, which was really out of order. It doesn't translate very well what he said, Weichgespültes Pack, Literally, it means soft-rinsed mob. But, yeah, I know you're looking at me puzzlingly. 
the idea is that you're so soft that you kind of don't really have the cojones to stand up and mm. give give a real opinion and you're, you're a coward and of the reverie yeah um but the second part the the mob or the bunch pack in german is a very sort of nasty word if you describe a group of people like a rabble yeah but rabble mm. if you describe the rabble you'd say yeah fine uh, but it is quite derogatory. And uh, the referees, uh, the head of the refereeing association came out and said, this is totally disrespectful. Mm. Nagelsmann will get heavily punished. Um, I think there's a, still a chance he might not see the game against Union, which is a key game now. Right, next on Sunday. Sunday yeah. um, being pops, perhaps banned. Uh, he did apologize and said, look, it happened in the heat of the emotion. The problem is it didn't really because this happened in the 10th minute. And about 90 to 100 minutes later, he had that outburst in front of everyone in the mix zone. It felt very staged, but not very well thought through. And it does speak to some of the big question marks around him, which is not so much what he does on the pitch, because you can debate whether the formation is right and you know some of the decisions he's making or people will have different opinions but there's been this lingering doubt about his maturity not so much because of his age because we've seen 35 year olds in this position before but actually being able to handle this dressing room being able to handle himself not saying things that that backfire and it's a sort of thing that if Bayern were to lose out on the championship, if he were to become the first manager since Jupankis in 2012 not to win the title with Bayern, it'd be on the wrong side of the page, if you will, on the minus side against him. Uh, and that's why it was a very important moment, but not the one he wanted. Level on points now with Union, who they'll be facing next Sunday, and with Dortmund, who had a whopping 4-1 win over Hertha Berlin. Magnificent Back heel goal by Eddie Yemi. Vielleicht kommt das jetzt. Guter Ball von Brandt auf Reus. Reus läuft Richtung Tor. Marco Reus, Marco Reus, verdeckt da war Eddie Yemi mit der Hacke. Und die Fahne Tor. bleibt unten. Ein spektakuläres das. Tor von Karim Adeyemi bringt den BVB in der 27. Minute. But then in the course of setting up the second, he does, what was it, his hamstring or something? Yeah. How long is he going to be out for? About three weeks, right. which is a real shame because he'll miss the Chelsea game and mm. he's been really in form playing on the left since the winter break, much more effective there, using his pace, scoring this great goal, as you said, and uh, quite funny, but unfortunate for him, crossing that ball. And as he's crossing the ball, he's already going down, holding his hamstring. But at least he made that second goal. Uh, and Dortmund have strength. In numbers, they have real depth at the moment because the injury problems that they've had in recent years, especially in the first half of the season, they have given way to lots of choices. And I think at that moment, things could have gone one way or the other. You could have had a situation, maybe in an extreme, more extreme sense, that you have a Chelsea where there's so many players, the coach just doesn't know how to keep everyone happy and to find a system that works with, with the dressing harmony and the tactics and everything. Or you can have that rivalry, a positive competitiveness, um, a sense of, you know, everyone has to be a little bit on the edge because there's so many options. And Tezic has managed to create that, that kind of vibe. And it's been a completely different Dortmund. They've won eight in a row. Mm. Not all of them super convincing, 
but they're finding ways of winning, whereas in the past they used to find often ways to lose games or draw them at least. And in that run of consecutive victories, of course, a win against Chelsea just last week. Uh, this midweek, we've also got a Bundesliga side up against their Premier League team as RB Leipzig welcome Man City. Uh, last time City went there, they lost 2-1, Rafa. Correct. What's going to happen this I time? I think they had a man sent off as well. Um, yeah, Leipzig, Leipzig are in a good run themselves. They lost against Union last weekend, but before then that, this long spell of unbeaten games. I think it was 18 games. Yeah, they, they, they went unbeaten. Or something. So they, they beat Wolfsburg this weekend. Yeah, but last oh, week, last really week they okay, lost yeah. against Union. And... It's a similar story to Dortmund in the sense that they have a lot of quality and the biggest one, of course, of all is coming back. Gustavo Nkunku is back. I don't think he'll start on Wednesday, but he will have some involvement and that makes a huge difference to a team that is already pretty good going forward, but he will add an extra level of quality. And City know all about Nkunku. They do know all about him because he scored a hat-trick in the 6-3 defeat at the Etihad in 2021. And, of course, he's become a much better player. And so have Leipzig, arguably, under Marco Rosa. Much happier side. A lot more togetherness. And defensively, they look a lot more solid. So, you know, ordinarily, you'd say City, um, City Red Bull is a bit of a mismatch. Um, City have all the star players. City have failed to win four of their last five on the road. Well, I was going to come on to that. But I think the bigger factor is that City have shown vulnerability against that type of opposition in the Champions League. If what you, kind of opposition? Well, opposition that is perhaps not in the top tier, but still finds a way of knocking them out mm. because perhaps they underestimate them. Thinking of Monaco, Lyon, I would include Spurs in that. They will take some encouragement from, from City's problems and from their own form against teams of this kind of nature. They've beaten City last year, uh, two years ago, as you mentioned. They've beaten Real Madrid in the group stage. They've beaten Atletico Madrid not long ago. They've beaten Man United mm. at home. So, who knows? I think they have a chance. Yeah. Some of the nicest combinations in attack uh, of the group stage were actually by Leipzig. Uh, I remember a couple of really nice goals, but there is a player who's standing out because it took him some time to adapt, I think, to the Bundesliga, so was Lai. But he's playing really well now. He's uh, making a difference there. Thank you for bringing him up. I've interviewed him, and that piece will be out in The Athletic mm. on Wednesday. All right. What um, was he unhappy about, Rafa? Um, no, he's been very, yeah. he's actually very happy. And some of the problems that you talked about Alvaro, were due to injury. He arrived and never played a game hmm. for Julian Nagelsmann. He then um, found a bit of form that got injured again. Then I think also suffered from the change of management because, uh, you know, he had Jesse Marsh, Tedesco, lots of changes. Marco Rosa is a guy that worked with him already when he was 16 at Salzburg because Rosa was the under-18s coach at the time. Mm -hmm. And there's a real trust and confidence and I think you see him because you see that because he's a guy who's got all the ability but perhaps in the past didn't have the the rhythm or the confidence or you know however you want to call it to have that consistently on the pitch and now he's showing that and he's become a key player for this team and I think in the list of players that are destined to go places uh, and we know that Nkunku is going you know that Guardiola is probably going as well in the summer he's probably sort of the next in line waiting for his big breakthrough moment. And I think it could come this week against Schlob City. Wow. Slob's like a big goal show favourite in the past. Mm. Uh, Frankfurt, meanwhile, are taking on Napoli. Is that Wednesday? That's Tuesday, That's isn't it? Tuesday. Tuesday. That's this evening as yeah. we record. Yeah. 
Wow. All right. That's going to be James, That's big. James, on Sunday, we, we just see Napoli do another Napoli against some of the 2 0 against Sassuolo with Ozyman and, and Kvaraschkelia scoring as usual. But he was saying, yeah, Frankfurt, they got more experience at this level, Europa League winners, and that. What do you think of their chances? I think the chances are good. Uh, Napoli will be seen as favourites by, by virtue of being the best team in Italy. But Frankfurt have a habit of getting results especially at home. They are super solid. They had another really solid game against Werder Bremen where they hardly conceded any shots. Colo, um, Randall Colo Moani is super effective up front. Uh, doesn't need many chances. Goetze is playing as good as he has played in 10 years. He's almost back to the Goetze that went with, to the Champions League final with Dortmund. And you have that home support. So over two legs... Napoli have to be seen as favourites, mm. but I don't think it's a massive gap between those sides. And Frankfurt have shown themselves able to bridge that gap and really turn on in European competitions. What's the view from Florence, James? <laughs> well, not far from where Luciano Spalletti grew up, where mm. he has his little farmstead. Did you go to his farm, James? You were, you were thinking he was dropping by there. I'm going later this afternoon really? to Certaldo. All right. Yeah. What, what, what did he grow on this farm well uh, all sorts he has his own vineyard um, so you can buy some Spalletti vino um, he's got his, Giovese, his ducks yeah. <laughs> he's got his ducks right. uh, one of which is called Snow White Bianca Neve but you want me to talk about the uh, Patinope not the Bianca Neve so look Spalletti was saying it's like Christmas Eve uh, and that's they are they are wondering what presents they get to get unwrap in Frankfurt, or whether mm. there'll be any kind of bad surprises at the bottom of the stocking. Um, you know, I, I think it's a valid point that Frankfurt have been used to over the last five years going quite far in knockout stages. You know, not only winning the Europa League last year, but they're just they know what it takes. Uh, their fans know what atmosphere to create on a night like this. Um, whereas Napoli have never got into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Um, I don't think this is a game that they'll underestimate in the way that they did in the Coppa Italia against Cremonese when they played a kind of scratch team and that ended up going to extra time and they lost on penalties. Um, but I think it's, yeah, a lot of people have got ahead of themselves and they're st starting to talk about Napoli as potential winners of this competition because they're so far out in front on City A that they can really focus on the Champions League. Uh, I think we should be a little bit cautious about about Frankfurt and particularly Colo Muani, who's been in very good form since Emi Martinez saved that uh, that shot in the in the World Cup final. So, <coughs> yeah. yeah, sorry, Jules. It's okay. It's okay. He was on good form before that as well. So you were mean there for no, for no reason. <laughs> no, but he's picked himself up. Yeah, it's 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 like he's just yeah he's. Some players, particularly in Italy, mm. who were involved in in that World Cup final, have taken a while. You know, yeah, not just players, yeah. James. If you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, but it should be a great game. I mean, uh, the, the the fans of both of these clubs are amazing. So the atmosphere, home and away, should be should be should be fantastic. And given the form that we saw, Cavada and Osimhen in against Sassuolo, where they played. 
some of their best football. It was on a Friday night, maybe an international audience, not many people were watching. It wasn't a Napoli Milan, a Napoli Inter, but in terms of the show that Napoli put on, it was really, really impressive. Mm. That Caravaggio goal, yeah. that mazy dribble, kind of like 1970s-esque. Nice. Yeah, and, and there is something else. Uh, I think that Erlich and Juan are the, name, the names of those defenders who mm. didn't actually go for the tackle because he is already Carapstelia. He's that player and they know him and they are scared about him. Maybe he doesn't uh, instill that terror in the championship yet. But in Serie A, you can see that the players, or the defenders especially, don't have the guts or the cojones, as Rafa used before, yeah. to tackle or to go after him. They just want to run backwards because they know he, he can trigger the trick anytime. Soft rinse mob, really. <laughs> just <laughs> a soft rinse back four, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, that's enough Bundesliga and Bundesliga-related talk for now. Is or, it? Is it? Rafa, what else? No? Okay. Well, we'll see. Maybe there'll be something later on. But next up, I'm itching to talk about La Liga. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. With Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet, you can combine markets from thousands of options to create your own bet on the biggest football fixtures in the Premier League, the Champions League, the EFL, and around the world. So if you think you can successfully pick the first goal scorer, the final score, the total number of corners and whether there'll be a red card, then use BetBuilder from LiveScore Bet to make up to six selections and get a single bet with the combined odds. Or if you can't make up your mind, you can choose from the pre-built quick bet options. BetBuilder from LiveScore Bet. Building a bet just got easier. Find out more at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScore Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only. Full account terms apply. And of course, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Right, La Liga, Barcelona eight points clear, Real Madrid travelling to Liverpool, but one story is bigger than all of that. And it's Barcelona related. After tax inspectors stumbled across payments by the Catalan club to the vice president of the referees committee. Uh, these payments stretching back across two decades or more than two decades, <laughs> they total more than seven million euros to this individual. Doesn't appear to have been living a particularly high profile lifestyle and nobody knows or can say what they were for exactly. Avaro. It's the biggest scandal in Spanish football definitely in the last 20 years, the biggest one. The repercussions of it we'll see because... Um, those things are, many of them, time-barred, because in uh, La Liga, uh, if you commit any offence or crime or whatever, after three years, that is time-barred. However, this could be uh, still investigated by the district attorney of Barcelona uh, if there is any corruption between Barcelona and Enrique Negreira, and they have to be quick, the Barcelona district attorney, because 
in June 2023, that corruption between particulars, if it happens to have happened, will be time barred as well. Good Lord. So, you know, by June 2023, they will have to press some charges against Barcelona. But what was that for? Mm. On paper, it was to give assessment on refereeing to Barcelona. So they were paying the uh, vice president of the Referees Association for reports on referees, and they yeah. were paying him massive sums for that. Massive sums. Uh, it all started in 2001 with Joan Gaspart, who was the president at the time. It continued during the Laporta reign mm. from 2003 until 2010. Then it continued uh, with Sandro Roussel and Bartomeu. And Bartomeu was the last one who did the payments between 2016 and 2018. Right. In fact, the payments that were revealed first were the payments that Bartomeu did during his reign because this guy, Enrique Negreira, is being investigated by the Spanish tax office because he didn't uh, explain well where that income was coming from and for what. Well, it was coming from Barcelona mm. uh, to provide, on paper, assessment on referees. But the funny thing is that today, the assistant of Tata Martino, who was uh, at Barcelona uh, from 2013 until 2014, or just one year, said that he never saw a report from anybody, hmm. any report yeah, on referees. Mm. And Esther Valverde as well, saying that he yeah. did never well, saw that's anything. That's curious. Yeah. So the referees who will sign a, a code of conduct uh, undertake not to work for anybody else in anything that could be possibly re competing with their work as, 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 as referees, which obviously this would break that code of conduct. There was also a note that he had sent Barcelona after they had stopped payments, yeah. demanding over 200,000 euros in outstanding sums, uh, in which he also inf in invites the president of Barcelona to reflect, noting that a scandal would not be good for the club and threatening to reveal all the, air quotes, irregularities he saw. Yeah. I mean, that... Blackmail. Mm. That is blackmail, basically. So this man, as well. this man was unhappy that Barcelona stopped paying him. Uh, Bartomeu mm. did it in 2018, and he blackmailed Barcelona. So the, the thing is, really, the situation is... And the whole scandal is really tacky as well, because... Uh, you never know, or you don't know what kind of uh, favors Barcelona did get if they got any by the referees. Uh, that will be impossible to prove unless there is some written evidence of that. But the the why is not so important as the what in this case. If you pay the vice president of the Spanish uh, referee committee just seven million in seventeen years, that's it. That's it. That should be it. I mean, the why is important, yes. But even if they don't find out, Barcelona's reputation is gone. Uh, what happened in La Liga during these years will have an asterisk on top of it. And um, I don't know if um, Joan Laporta is uh, aware of uh, the magnitude of this. Probably yes. But when they ask him on Wednesday about all these revelations and all that, he said something like, what a coincidence that this is coming out when we are topping the table. And it's not, no, 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 this is not true. I mean, this came out. And by the way, it was a media outlet from Barcelona. Mm. probably supportive of Barcelona, who actually broke this story. So there is not any attempt from Madrid Press to unsettle Barcelona because this news came from Barcelona outlets as well. Mm. All right, well, they'll be pulling on that thread and we'll see what else comes out unravelling. Uh, meanwhile, there's still eight points clear at the top of the table. They've got Manchester United away at Old Trafford on Thursday. 2-2 the first leg. They were kind of lucky, were they, to get a point from that? I think, I think so. I mm. think so. I think Manchester United was better, definitely more threatening. Uh, they were capable of uh, unchaining a storm that Barcelona sometimes couldn't uh, couldn't stop. But uh, the result was very good. And considering that the away goal rule doesn't exist anymore, Barcelona con can consider themselves lucky. 
for the game at Old Trafford, they're going to miss two key midfielders. And this is so important because Pedri is out with an injury and Gabi is out with the suspension. So Xavi is going to have to field a makeshift midfielder with probably Sergi Roberto, who had a good game against Cadiz, but I honestly think that in the big games he lacks something. Kessie, who is still adapting, even though he's been good in January. Busquets and uh, God knows who else. Uh, Frankie de Jong. So four midfielders over there, but probably the, the two most important ones are not there. So right. it's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult for Barcelona. And, uh, this and is not Dembélé either. Dembélé neither. And a, a point that I want to make very quickly. Barcelona's record in Spain defensively is brilliant. We have spoken about this, but in Europe it's not so good. Mm. I mean, they have played seven, seven games in Europe this season. They have conceded 14 goals, 12 in the Champions League two in the Europa League. So I can expect Manchester United scoring here. George, you did this game on The Goal Show. I did. Probably got it again this Thursday. Have I you? do indeed, what, yeah. what are you expecting to see there? Big games to big pundits, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be great. I, I can't wait. I just can't see Barca being able to go there. The form that United are in right now, Rashford's forms as well, mm. the, just the way they play, the atmosphere, the buzz within that club, the stadium will be full. No Gavi, no Pedri, no Dembele, Busquets just coming back from an injury. I just... Of course, Barca can go and, and, and win. Of course, they can. Um, but I, I just think United will go through, which will be a huge statement, I think. What about Real Madrid uh, on Merseyside, Alvaro? Extraordinary, the record that Liverpool have against Real Madrid, or don't have, rather. Yeah. Last six meetings going back to 2009. They haven't beaten them. Losing five of them, including two Champions League finals. Yes, exactly. Two Champions League finals. And I remember that uh, Liverpool travelled to Madrid with Brendan Rodgers and they did a very poor game mm. in there. That was in... After they came second in the Premier League in 2014. He rested a bunch of players for that one, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. Exactly. Liverpool rested mm. many players, yes. But mm. uh, Real Madrid could have beaten them more comfortably. But anyway, that was in 2014. Uh, this time, Real Madrid is travelling to Liverpool with a third time confidence. That's for sure. And I think, though, that there is a massive respect for Liverpool for what they can do to you. Uh, on a big night, uh, there are a couple of key players missing, and Real Madrid is going to miss them a lot, I think. Chouameni, Antoni Cruz, uh, because Luka Modric is going to play probably 90 minutes. I don't know if he's ready for that. Ceballos and Camavinga and Valverde will play together. We haven't seen a lot this midfield in Real Madrid. But anyway, Real Madrid is the master of adjusting their level in relation to the opponent they've got in front. So I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, they have had defensive frailties this season. Uh, sometimes they haven't been too convincing in the first halves and then they have won the games in the second halves. I think Real Madrid will have to adjust their level uh, to play against Liverpool, but they are capable of that. And on top of that, if they win today, they will dedicate their win to Real Madrid's um, president of honour, Amancio Amaro, who passed away last night, by the way. Mm. Uh, Karim Benzema not training with the team on Sunday. Dream the dream. But he's playing today. Yeah, he will, he will be playing. Carlos yeah. said he's starting. Okay. That's his competition, you know. That's where like he comes alive. And the, and the French players of Real Madrid, and Benzema, for whatever the reason, he's not ready for 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. Marco Asensio, for example, has scored two goals in the last two games, you know. He has played so many European so much European football for Real Madrid that uh, you know there are some individuals at Real Madrid who look like French players, but in fact uh, they've got plenty of experience. So even if Marco Asensio has to play, that's not a problem for Real Madrid. It right. is. It is. It's not the same as if it's no, but you know, a, a bigger player. Yeah, but but still, what I mean with this is I that know, if he's got the chance, normally he's yeah, no, it's scores against Osasuna and Cadiz, but like this is another level, you know. And I think, I think it's a problem if you don't have the starting 11 ready for a game like this, I think you could have a problem. You can always rely, as, I guess, on Ceballos and, and Asensio to a certain level, but 
it's the big players that mm. pulled them out last season, for example. Osasuna was a 2 0 win this weekend with uh, Asensio. Was it Valverde with the other goal? Valverde scoring the other yeah. goal. Yeah. And uh, okay, yeah, Jules is, is right. You I, mean, what I mean, like, Benzema is better, better than Asensio. No, no, but in the end, it's yeah. those big players. I mean, Asensio is a good player, but there's a reason why he's going to leave the club at the end of the season on a free and why he's not. He hasn't really done that well in the last few seasons. Where's he going, Jules? Let's see. Let's yeah, see. He okay. because there he hasn't be been offered extension. But yeah. mm. on the other hand, uh, he he hasn't decided his future yet. All right then. What's this? Javi Gracia appointed at Leeds. Good manager. He did very well at Watford. He took them to the FA Cup final, as mm. far as I can remember. Mm, then he got a spell at Valencia that didn't go too successfully. But who? Uh, get, gets any success at Valencia nowadays but I think that he, he's prepared I mean he's a defini definitely a different proposition to Jesse March in the sense that I think Javi Gracia is more defensive than the managers that Leeds United has had in the past Speaking of Valencia nobody winning there no. Getafe beating them on Monday night that's their fifth straight defeat they're very much in the bottom three. One point in the last uh, eight games for Valencia they've got a new manager Ruben Baraja he hasn't been able to uplift this uh, squad and I think that uh, maybe Valencia doesn't have the leadership just to manage this situation Gabriel Paulista, he was crying yesterday in front of TV after the defeat a week ago, Gaia was also crying in front of the TV cameras No way. you know, um, it looks like the team is really depressed and uh, you know, some teams in Valencia's periphery, like for example Cadiz or Valladolid, they have uh, signed very important players in the winter just to make sure that they stay in Primera División. Mm. Valencia hasn't done that. And I think that they will depend a lot on some individuals who are experienced, like Cavani, for example, that, you know, he can't stop getting injuries too. It looks very bad for, for Valencia, it has to be said. The institution is in shambles as well, uh, with an owner who doesn't care much about the club. And, you know, if they go down to the Second División, it will be the first time in 40 years that Valencia goes down. All right, heading to the second tier, perhaps then. Let's get a bit of Syria news from our man in Florence. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LifeScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. That sofa looks so comfortable, James Horncastle. <laughs> also looking comfortable in Italy right now, Napoli, 15 points clear still, another 2-0 victory for them at the weekend. Behind them, all the top four contenders won, except bizarrely, Atalanta, 
who were beaten at home by Lecce, the second time they've been defeated by the Southerners this season. Lecce, James, are they the new Fodger? <laughs> well, they don't play kamikaze attacking football in the way that uh, Fodger. And that was a team that had a mythology built around it. I think there are films uh, of that Zemanlandia, mm. as it was called, after Zenik Zeman. This was the this early is... 90s when he took over this crazy little club from the, the deep south and, and w- w- would upset everybody by the... I mean, pretty much just by running a lot. That was the key thing. But so many great yeah, players came upset through upset everyone also by uh, making allegations mm. uh, about the, the build and the, uh, the, the, the sudden muscles that uh, some players were putting on at some clubs. Mm. Um, Lecce, not like that, uh, James. They're not kind of kamikaze, crazy football. Um, they are well-coached. Uh, and they are well recruited. They've got Panteleo Corvino, who um, uh, spent many years in, in Florence, uh, where I am, signing the likes of Dusan Vlajevic, Stevan Jovetic, Matej Nastasic. Basically, any player from Serbia who's any good was signed by Panteleo Corvino at some point. Um, and he's, again, put together this eclectic team in Lecce. Um, kind of second top scorer in Switzerland last year who uh, scored the opening goal against Atalanta, Asan Cisse, um, whose surname you know sounds familiar, Cisse, but it's not spelt like uh, you'd think Cisse. Most people would say it'd be C-I-S-S-E. His is very C-E-E-S-A-Y. Love it. Mm. Um, <laughs> bit, bit of difference there. Samuel um, Antiti there as well. Yeah, those are, those are French guys. That's why they're doing so well. Frenchies, yeah. and that we on the on the goal on the goal show last Thursday, we were talking about Marcus Antonio, the Lazio mm. uh, gnome who plays in. <laughs> oh, in <laughs> he's more of a pixie. <laughs> more of a pixie. Okay. Mm. Well, I, I think Lamek Banda, uh, who plays for uh, plays for Lecce, is, is is maybe smaller. Really? Or the same same yeah similar height. Um, so, um, so yeah, they're a fun team to watch, um, and they'd, they'd stopped Roma uh, the weekend before. They've now beaten Atalanta, so they're they're kind of the team that if you're chasing top four, you just don't want to face at the moment. Yeah, they've, they've already drawn against Napoli, against Milan, Roma. As you mentioned, they had a win over Lazio. Extraordinary stuff. All right, uh, now also in Serie A this weekend. We saw Salernitana beaten by Lazio. A first game in charge for their new manager, Salernitana's new manager, Paolo Sosa. Yeah, after Davide Nicola did actually get sacked this time around um, because he'd been binned off, uh, binned off by Danilo Iervolino, the Open University millionaire who took over Salernitana around this time last year, um, to be fair. Uh, because Salernitana, remember, I think this is the curiosity again around this Lazio game, was they, they used to be kind of owned by the Lazio owner. Um, and after tugging at the heartstrings of Jadvalino, Nicola managed to get his job back and uh, and then was promptly sacked a couple of games later and Paolo Sosa's in and it's too early to really judge Paolo on what happened against, uh, against Lazio. But um, they have a little cushion of safety 
uh, in uh, above the relegation zone. But mm. Verona at the moment, even though we saw them lose on BT to, to Roma at the weekend, Verona have been very much the form team down at the bottom right. um, and look the most likely to get out of it. Yeah, you've got a big cushion there on that sofa. No, no question about that. Uh, Napoli running away with it at the top. Inter in second place. They had a 3-1 win against Udinese on Saturday. Pazzesco gol di Osimene. Un gol senza senso di Osimene. Assolutamente senza senso. Dalla linea di fondo. What do you think about their chances midweek at home to Porto? Porto have won their last 10 games in a row. Yeah, Porto who are very good when they play against Serie A teams. They are the Serie A slayers. Um, we've seen them you know, knock out Roma when they were in the playoffs for the Champions League and they still had players like Alisson and Salah and Spalletti was their coach. Um, and then a couple of years after that, when Roma reached the Champions League semi-finals, they were then upset by Porto the following year. Di Francesco was sacked after the back on the back of that game. They knocked out Pirlo's Juve um, as well. And we saw them last year come up against Milan in the group stages. And although both of them didn't qualify for the knockouts, um, you know, Porto finished third and went into the Europa League and Milan dropped out of Europe altogether. So they're a team that no one wants to play against. Um, again, you've got Sergio Conceição used to play with Simone Inzaghi at Lazio. I think as with Diego Simeone, uh, there's this feeling that Simeone Conceição, their next club will probably be in Italy. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, Conceição's been at Porto for a long, long time, not as long as Simeone Atletico, but there's a feeling that you know he should move on at some stage. Wouldn't surprise me if he were to become the next Inter or Lazio coach in, in the future. And Conceição's done a really good job. I, I think a lot of people just sort of expect Porto to win the league every year. I mean, uh, this is a Porto team that they lose their best players all the time. They make loads of money from selling players like this This time in the summer it was Vitinha, Fabio Vieira, players like that going away. And yet the club is losing loads and loads of money even though it makes these big transfer profits. So it's it's a tough gig for Conceição and yet he does a great job in getting the team into the knockout stages of the Champions League um, or getting them into the knockout stages of a European competition every year. And um, that's just me putting some respect on his name, James. Mm. So I think it'll be quite a tricky one for All Inter. Right. Well, we shall see. Quick word on City at B, where there have been 21 changes, 21 managerial changes in the second division. <laughs> quite remarkable. Uh, one of which has actually been uh, our friend De Rossi, Daniele De Rossi, who got yeah. sacked a couple of weeks ago at, at Spau. Uh, but of those 21 changes, almost a quarter of them have come at one club. Who could that club be? Brescia. And who's in charge at Brescia? Massimo Cellino. Indeed. Mm. So he's just appointed a fifth manager of the season. Extraordinary stuff. Five managers so far. You think that's a record? No. Because in 2020, 2021, he had six managers, some of whom have actually turned up in this year. I mean, there's only so many managers out there. So the guy who's just come in now was, I think, the third one that he had in 20. 2021 all in all he's been at pressure for six seasons he's had 21 changes 14 different men but as i say they some are probably still being paid on gardening leave well anyway. that's it that's and that's thing. why they come back in yeah. again you know it's <laughs> on the books uh, you know you, you have to come but back the in. thing that i don't get is like pep clotet 
was with him at Leeds. Mm. And it's like, Pep, what are you doing? You know this is going to happen. You know you're going to get sacked at well, some stage. paid off, I guess. Yeah, Clotet's had well, two I, spells yeah, sure, this season there at, uh, at, at Brescia, who are, yeah, in penultimate place, just below Spal, who, as I mentioned, uh, dismissed De Rossi a, a while ago. I mean, Cholino, that's... I mean, it's magnificent. Magnificent stuff. It is, because... Uh, the, the, the kind of famous presidents, uh, and we did a few Golazzo episodes on this, were ca- kind of called manja allenatori, the coach eaters, and there were a few of them in Italy. Maurizio Zamperini was one at Palermo. He's no longer with us, and Palermo have been taken over by CFG, the City Football Group. So, yeah, they've unfortunately become quite standardised and normal, mm. um, which I think for certain lovers of Italian football, that's a shame. Palermo, by the way, go and seek out the goal by Valerio Vere. Um, it's from the halfway line uh, at the weekend. Uh, one of the goals of, uh, of the weekend around Europe. And then, you st- thankfully, we've still got Cellino, uh, yeah, who, is, who is keeping up appearances for the eccentricities and absurdities of Italian football. Um, I, know, I know Leeds fans were kind of despairing at what was going on at Leeds over the last you know, week where... They tried to get Iraola, they tried to get Arnie Slot, and then they brought in Alfred Schroeder, and then there was a backlash from the fans, and they couldn't appoint Schroeder, and then they lost to Everton, and now they're signing Javi Gracia. Remember that Massimo Cellino used to be your owner, (laughs) and as bad as it feels. There is a club in, in the north of Italy, in Lombardy, called Brescia, which is currently going through the motions with, uh, with Cellino. So, uh, but, you know, I mean, this is one of the things that is idiosyncratic to Italian football and, and more power to it. As soon as it becomes normal, mm. uh, it will lose a lot of uh, its, its appeal. So thank you, Massimo. Keep doing what you're doing. Magnificent. Same to you, James Horncastle. Next up, we're going to move across to Liga. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Totally Football Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. <clears throat> Jules, you can talk much second division in your section? Uh, I can if you if you want to. Saint-Étienne won again. Finally, they? they're out of the bottom three. Yeah, they're 15th now. So. Yeah. Oh, Jules talking about ass yet again. You love it. You love to hear it. Uh, at the other end of the top flight, PSG took on Lille. Now, you yeah. said this was going to be an interesting game, and boy, yeah. it turned out to be. 
It was crazy. It was a really incredible game. The PSG won uh, really, really late. It was a miracle, let's be honest. They were 3-2 down with three minutes to go and Mbappé first scored the third goal at 3-3 and then Messi in the 95th minute with a free kick. Attention, Leo Messi à 20 mètres. C'est parti Et c'est de Goal 4 buts à 3 pour le Paris Saint-Germain C'est improbable Lionel Messi he did, did nothing through the whole game and then there's that free kick and everybody expects him to go over the wall and he goes on the side and Chevalier in goal for Lille is a bit surprised I think and then comes out too short and it's, a, it's an incredible finale of a game that PSG didn't deserve to win and there were times before since the Qatari took over that PSG were the be- they were always the better team they would lose sometimes you can lose by being the better team the issue at the moment is that they won against Lille, but Lille were the better team. They lose to Bayern, but Bayern are the better team. They lose to Monaco, Monaco are the better team. So they, they, don't, they, they, are not, they are not good anymore. They are teams better than them when they face them, which is the worry because before you lose sometimes, you draw sometimes, you drop points, you, you can't go the whole season with winning every single game. But right now, they lose because they're just not good enough because the other teams are better than them, which I think is a big worry for Galtier. Uh, we saw the pressure that Luis Campos put on him uh, and really Campos appearing on that touchline and be very agitated is bad. Maybe not as bad as Campos coming down at halftime of the Monaco game in the dressing room and doing the team talk in front of Galtier, which really that's, that's not acceptable. Um, so there's still a lot of things that are not going well at the club despite that win. That was very important because had they lost a fourth in a row, then I think it would have been full, full, mode, full crisis mode. Now Galtier is still under pressure, at least until the Bayern second leg. And if Bayern knock them out, which right now is likely still, or it's very possible, then I wonder what will happen to Galtier because the league form is not enough. They still have a five-point cushion ahead of Marseille, but mm. they, they go to Marseille on Sunday night. That's the thing, they go to Marseille on Sunday night. Well, they were there the other day, weren't they, in the cup? And, and how did that go? And they were well beaten. They were dominated from start to finish. Uh, Mbappe wasn't there. Which right. Well, th- this weekend, Na- well, Neymar presumably is very much in doubt. No, he. Oh, he Neymar is out of the game. Out of the yeah, definitely. How long is he going to be out for then? We don't know yet. There will be more scans today on Tuesday or maybe Wednesday morning mm. uh, to know exactly the extent of the ankle injury. It's the same ankle that he injured at the World Cup. Although the ligaments are okay, you still need the more scans to find out. It was at the heart, after the Bayern game, it was all about Neymar. One, because he was not very good in the game. And two, because the following day, he thought it was a good idea to, you know, to go to McDonald's for his dinner and obviously have photos of him at McDonald's and then spend the whole day playing poker, which, you know, I've got no issues playing poker, but it's just on the back of a defeat like that, when you've been already, when you've been bad and when the whole situation is bad, I just think common sense mm. should have prevailed a little bit. But... So Neymar, no Neymar, is just Messi and Mbappe now. It still feels like a team that is not playing as a team. So Marseille right. could well get another win I, against them. Which I, would be crazy. It, but it could work out in their favour. I'm sure I saw a respected commentator saying the other day that those three can't play together. Yes. So that was me. Yeah, I still go along with that. Right. I just, I just think they can play together, <laughs> but not play well together. Yeah. Okay. I think you can have one on his own. Well, one especially one if it's Mbappe on his own. You can have two maybe. But then three, I don't, as we saw against Bayern, as we've seen many times this season, not right. that they've played a lot together, but they, they, they can't be 
playing well all together the same right you can have yeah and Neymar came off injured yeah. but did he make it back to Rio in time for the carnival <laughs> or for his sister's birthday I, was, I thought you were going to say because yeah the sister's birthday is coming up soon so um, good timing good timing he was crying love him on the stretcher it's the ankle looked bad afterwards to be fair and it's just been one of those seasons for him that where he's been in good form. I mean, the numbers, if you look at the numbers, and he scored again before the injury on, on Sunday, the numbers are great, but I, th I don't think the numbers just tell the whole story. And I think that we saw against Bayern because the, to see Neymar's real level, it's not, no offense to Ligue 1, but it's not really, in most of the Ligue 1 games, he will always be too good anyway. It's, but it's in the big games against Marseille or Bayern or Benfica or even Juventus in those kind of games that you see maybe his limitations and right now the limitations are too is too big and I don't know if he can recover his best form he's 31 now he's I think the injuries are taking a bit of a toll on him he doesn't have the acceleration that he used to he doesn't dribble like he used to uh, there's a couple of 1v1 against Bayern where he's taking on Pava and you think okay all Neymar would have destroyed Pava it's mm. not even a and yet Pavard always kind of got the ball, touched the ball, or Neymar would not pass him. And, and that happens too many times now in those big games. Yeah. Jules, we, we shouldn't write PSG off, of course, because Kylian Mbappe can turn it on yeah. and it's only 1-0. But in the wake of this defeat and the troubles that they're having this season, is there any sense of introspection from the ownership to say, this is a bit of a circus, we sh have to do things differently yeah there's there's certainly i mean the emir was at the game on tuesday and it sat not far from where we were and there was a lot of qatar there was a big qatari delegation because they also came to see president macron this is what you do when you own a football club and you're also uh, the head of a, of, the, of a nation of a country um and i think the idea is very much like we need to go in a different way now. I think the bling bling worked and they, 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 they've taken this club really far up and the brand, especially marketing wise, maybe like we never thought they could take this club forward before, but it's just not, it's, it's working, but it's not working, if you see what I mean. And I think Bayern is, a, is, a, is an inspiration in a way, in the sense that there's a lot of German players in it. Well, you know, certainly the leaders are Germans. There's, there's, there's a big sense of Germany in there. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if the recruitment in the summer, for example, was heavy on French players, ideally Paris players as well. And that's mm. why they're looking are at... Are there many Parisian players out there? Uh, I mean, you could find, if, if you scrub through, you can find a few. But for example, the names that I mentioned right now within, around the club, within the club, like Colomani that we mentioned before, who is Paris born and bred and... Thuram as well, although James is going to disagree, but don't listen to him. Palmer, uh, born and bred. Yeah. Uh, Manu, Manu Kone from Gladbach, also pure, pure Parisian. And there's, there's a few others that could be... And I think, I think it's right. And also, I, I think that's what the fans want. They want to see more you know, Parisian playing for PSG. And I think that shift looks like it could happen. All that said, if Kylian Mbappé is on the pitch, everything changes. Because the other, the other day, he was there 25 minutes... And suddenly PSG was a totally different side. I mean, uh, the gravity of this player is incredible. So all that said, is, uh, <laughs> he's such no, a no, player. You're right, you're right. But he's, the only, <laughs> he's not the only hope, but he's the main hope. Yeah, of course. Fair, which is not good if your main hope rely on one guy on his no, own against not. a team like Bayern. But what was striking on, on Tuesday at the game, quickly, is that he started warming up during halftime. 
And when people saw him coming out of the tunnel to warm up, it, the stadium just like suddenly erupted. And then as soon as he came on, Nagelsmann became quite on the line. Let's change this. Let's do this. Delirte, you do this. Upamecano, you do this. Pava, you do this. And you could see even the Bayern players and like, okay, now something is happening. Like, you know, now it's, so it's going to be... It's going to be different. What does that mean? What soft rinse? <laughs> It's a Rafa's, uh, Rafa's, ah. Rafa's phrase, yeah. So, soft, soft rinse mob. Soft rinse mob. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I think, yeah, you're right. He will start, and I think Bayern will be like, okay, let's, you know, this is going to be a very different game than the first leg. All right, then. Wow. Marseille won, Monaco won, Lens won, Rennes won. Everybody piling the pressure on PSG or keeping the pressure on PSG ahead of that huge match on Sunday then away at the Velodrome. Uh, Alvaro. And Monaco can only capitalize from that game because Monaco mm. are in a great run and uh, in mm. the Europa League they beat Bayer Leverkusen. Not comfortably, but they beat them. And uh, I think that in France, what is the run? Uh, they've got four five, straight wins. Yeah, five wins in a row in total in all competitions. And they have scored 13 goals in the last five games. So, Ooh. you know, the, the power they've got up front is pretty incredible as well. So I wouldn't discard them, I don't know for what, but definitely for the second spot. Mm. I think they're in the title race. I really do. And, and they've, they've taken 23 points out of the 27 since the restart. It's one more than Marseille and then many more than PSG. And they're there. They have a great squad. They're resilient, as we saw against Bayer Leverkusen in that wonderful game on Thursday in the Europa League first leg, uh, the playoff first leg. So I think I think Monaco will, you know, will will be will be there. All right. Well, I'll be there with the second legs and the goals yeah. and you will be too, Jules. That would be great. And by the way, do you know Florence, what team yeah. has scored the most goals in the five big leagues since the restart after the World Cup? Mm. In the big five leagues? Toulouse. Really? Yeah. How many They've goals been scoring for fans? Uh 21 now, 22 something like that. Wow. Yeah, they lost 3-2 against Marseille at the weekend, but they scored again. They are they've got 19 different nationalities in their squad. It's, a, it's a really Damian Comoli, the who we know mm. well in here in England, building a very interesting squad and they they having a good season for the, you know, for for promoted side. Nice. Currently it's in the guys who own AC Milan as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they do a really good job. Voila. There you go. Excellent. Well, thank you for being with us today, listener. That's uh, your dose of continental news and views. Uh, as I say, uh, Thursday evening from 5.30, uh, Rafa, Jules, uh, James uh, and myself will be there with the second legs of those Europa League and Conference League playoffs and just some fantastic goals, fantastic action and, and chat in uh, last Thursday. And Carabag Ghent. And Carabag Ghent. And Partizan, your favourite. Yeah, Partizan yeah, are in there. Nice. They're always in there for me anyway. So, um, <laughs> But that's it for today's show. Alvaro, thank you. Thank you, Rafa. Thank you, Jules. Thank you, James. Thank you, Jesse, producer, uh, and you, listener. We're back with another year's show next Tuesday. And uh, there is another show on Thursday as well this week, rounding everything up. You know the usual stuff. So I'll, I'll just wrap it up and say bye-bye for now. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScoreBet. Get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. 